the third win against the top ten, and the Orange had them all the way. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into my heart. Three for the win battle. Bang! Boom! As the Orange do it again, the cardiac juice comes through on the road one more time. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us alongside Seth Goldberg. I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Thursday edition of Orange Nation. We are brought to you in part by Dun Tire. No show tomorrow, so we're kind of putting two shows into one today, if that makes any sense. Our normal Friday guests will join us. Kevin Todd, our Vegas insider, set to join us in the next segment at 1220. We'll get Patrick Beeline, head coach of LeMoyne, at 1245. Uh, Lazara Sims will join us in hour number two. He's helping to put together a big high school basketball tournament Friday and Saturday involving the city schools. We'll also get to our uh, Athlete of the Week award. But we begin, Seth, with some... SU football and basketball news. Let's start with the football stuff. It was reported just about an hour ago uh, that Notre Dame-Syracuse will be played at Yankee Stadium next year, not in South Bend, Indiana. It's a home game for Notre Dame. Uh, We do not have official confirmation yet. I did reach out to the Sports Information Department, have yet to hear back. Um, But my guess is we we may hear something uh, as this day moves along, and if we get any details, we'll pass it along. But according to a report, a national report, Syracuse-Notre Dame will be played at Yankee Stadium next year, not South Bend, Indiana. Yeah, uh, look, nothing bad about this, right? I, I don't think, you know... It would be cool to go to South Bend, Indiana, and it's you know it's it's Notre Dame Stadium, it's Rocky, it's you know touchdown Jesus, it's the whole thing. Um, but I, I don't see any downside to playing at Yankee Stadium. I think it's pretty cool. Maybe that's because I'm a Yankee fan, and a baseball fan, and a, and a kid from Northern New Jersey. But uh, hey, go for it, have some fun, right? And and Notre Dame's been doing this uh, in recent years, right? They've played uh, Boston College at. Fenway as the home team. Uh, they, they've done this in a couple other places. I think they've played home games in Texas, I want to say. Uh, they're, they're a national brand. They can do whatever they want. I think it's a good thing from a Syracuse perspective. You're going to have more fans there because it's in New York. Fans around here can travel to to Yankee Stadium. Uh, there's the obviously a, a great alumni base and fan base in New York for Syracuse and Notre Dame as well. I think you have a better chance, frankly, to beat Notre Dame on a neutral site at Yankee Stadium than you do in South Bend, Indiana. Um, I think for all those reasons, it's not you know the travel isn't as far for the team. Right. Um, I, I think it's. Uh, I think it's a good thing. Yeah, you miss out on playing in South Bend, and, and maybe for some of these guys that was a you know a dream, and they were looking forward to next year's schedule and saying, hey, we get to go to South Bend uh, next year. But um, it's like the Pinstripe Bowl. It's like you know you don't qualify for the Pinstripe Bowl. Well, just play the Pinstripe Bowl during the regular exactly. season. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, look, there, there's no real downside to it. Uh, you go and, and instead of playing a game in one iconic venue, uh, you're playing in, in Yankee Stadium, which is you know it's the new Yankee Stadium, but it's still a, a big time stage for you. The other piece of news that, that we should pass along, it, it broke, well, quote-unquote broke. It was released uh, after we left the air uh, yesterday, and that's in regards to SU basketball. Two more jerseys will be retired. Dennis Duvall's number 22 jersey sent to the rafters uh, during halftime of the January 6th game against Notre Dame. Uh, Lawrence Moton's number will finally be retired. It's about time, right? Uh, the, the jersey will uh, be sent to the rafters on March 3rd. That's the regular season home finale nothing against Clemson. Says, nothing says Big East all-time leading scorer quite like against Syracuse. Clemson. Clemson. Yeah. Well, you don't have Georgetown or UConn at the Dome this okay, year. So. Pittsburgh, Boston College. 
Notre Dame. Florida State. Miami. Less so. Florida State and but Miami. But still. I understand where you're coming from. He played Florida State and Miami in conference, no? I'm not going to get, yes. I'm not going to get hung up on... Uh, I don't care about that. I, I That's tongue-in-cheek. I'm not going to get hung up on, uh, on who the game is against. I am surprised it took this long. And yeah. I guess, you know, it's better late than never, and you finally make it right, but... Ten numbers, well, not numbers, ten jerseys have been retired by Syracuse basketball. It'll be 12 by the end of this year when Duvall and Moten go up there. Uh, Lawrence Moten deserved to be in that top ten, in my opinion. All-time leading scorer in Big East history, obviously, in in school history as well. Uh, Meant so much to this program. It, it took a while uh, for yeah. that for that thing to get done, but it's it's finally going to get done this and it, year. And it feels like there's no rhyme or reason as to who gets retired when. And you know, Dennis Duval, a, a worthy candidate for sure, uh, but it took 40 years. You know, it took how long did it take for Louie and Bowie to finally get their numbers hanging in the rafters? Like it, it just it doesn't make sense. Like it, it's long overdue for John Wallace to have his number up. I think it's overdue to have Jerry McNamara. Have his number up. Uh, you know, good that they're getting to Lawrence Moten. Like, it's about time. Uh, but there, there's some work to do uh, as far as hanging up some of these jerseys go. You, you bring up a, an interesting point about Jerry, and obviously he's, you know, still with the program and he's, uh, you know, entrenched here as an assistant coach, and it's only been, quote unquote, a little bit more than 10 years. But doesn't it feel like his jersey yes. has to? I mean, Mellows is already up there. I. I remember asking Jerry at Media Day after Mello got his number jersey up there, right? His jersey was put up in February of 13. I went uh, to Media Day as a student in the fall of 13 and I said, "Hey, do you ever think about it? Like do you, you know, do you do you think about having your number up there? Like it's it's probably going to go up sometime soon." It's been 4 years since that happened. <laughs> like like it's it, it feels like it's overdue. It feels like it should be up in the rafters already, and I guess it's because they're behind uh, and still getting people from the 70s. And, you know, uh, Brent mentioned, you know, Rudy Hackett or Jim Lee, you know, yesterday afternoon. Like, shouldn't somebody from the 75 team get some recognition and have their numbers retired? So there is a long list of people whose numbers and jerseys Syracuse could honor, uh, and and they have not done so yet. I mean, you can make a case for a lot of players, and that that's why this program has been so good for so long, and I get that. Just to, In my opinion, the, the Lawrence Moten being the 12th yes. player to have his jersey retired, to me, that it's if there's a pecking order, it, he should be higher up uh, in the pecking order than, than he was. But again, uh, better late than never, and, and that'll take place uh, March 3rd. Uh, during the regular season home finale against Clemson. So uh, good for Lawrence Moten, good for Dennis Duvall. Uh, We do have to get to Kevin Todd here uh, coming up in about 10, 15 minutes from now. But I wanted to start the show today, Seth, uh, after getting those little you know, nuggets out of the way. Start the show with how we ended the show yesterday. And I asked you for your biggest question marks facing SU basketball right now. We had so many questions going into the season. And and by and large, a lot of those questions have been answered to some degree through the first eight games. And I know there's a lot of basketball left to be played. But in terms of, you know, what can you expect out of O'Shea Brissett? What can you expect out of Frank Howard? Uh, what can you expect out of the center position? We're, we're, we've gotten some answers. And I think... SU fans like the answers that we've seen so far. So with that being said, what 
rises to the level of, you know what, I still don't feel like I know this about this team, or this is a concern of mine about the Orange as they you know finish up non-conference play over the next couple of weeks and get ready for the ACC? Uh, two concerns that go, I think, hand-in-hand. Hand. Uh, Three-point shooting and half-court offense. I-, I think those are very much intertwined because the three-point shooting has led to what looks like a stagnant and uh, not-so-effective half-court offense at times this year. Uh, as far as questions, uh, can they bring this thing on the road, right? Like on, on a true road environment. Um, and I know we've got Georgetown coming up in about 10 days. Uh, but is that a true hostile road environment? Well, it's more hostile than either of the neutral courts that you faced. Uh, but then we're going to have to wait. And we're going to have to wait and see until ACC play starts on January 3rd when they go to Wake Forest. Uh, you know, when they go to Virginia on the 9th, to Florida State on the 13th, we're going to have to wait and see how this team reacts to playing in true road environments. And and so that's one question I've got. And then, and then Frank Howard. And is this the start of a slide like we saw last year, or is that a one-off blip, uh, you know, bad night, but he'll get over it? Where do you think Wake Forest ranks uh, on Mike Leach's, you know, true road and <laughs> toughest places to play in America? Probably, uh, probably about 43rd. Four, 14 and a half. <laughs> I think it's further down the list than that. Uh, but I, no, sorry, it was I understand 14 and a half in ACC in, oh, play. Sorry, okay. sorry. Right. Fair my enough. apologies. Fair enough. Yeah, that one, that one end zone... Uh, one end of the dome is much harder to play in than the other. <laughs> I, I think those are all good points. Um, and and that, that's at the top of my list. You mentioned half-court offense. I, I am still concerned about this team being able to score and score consistently against really good opponents. I thought they'd be able to hold Kansas in the 70s. They did. Uh, they couldn't score enough to keep up with an elite opponent. And we're going to see several of those elite opponents. The, the new rankings came out this week. What is it? Five... SU opponents in the top 15. You know, you've got Virginia and North Carolina and Duke and Notre Dame and obviously Kansas. They've already played them. There are a handful, half dozen, uh, really, really good teams on SU schedule. And yes. against those really, really good teams, you need to score more than 60 to 65 points to win, one would think, maybe with the exception of Virginia. Can they do that? Do they have enough firepower on the offensive end to do that? And we we really haven't seen it. We saw them play Kansas. They scored 60. They lost by double digits. Um, against Maryland and UConn, they had enough. They got into the 70s. They had enough. Defensively, they were good. They won those games. But obviously, Maryland and UConn, they're not elite opponents. They're not top 25 caliber opponents. When they play those teams, will they have enough offense to win those games? Here's a question that I wanted to ask you, uh, I, and because you just brought it up, playing elite opponents, uh, you know, who's an elite opponent, uh, how is Syracuse going to stack up in those games? I, I just did a, a very quick run through the schedule. Uh, I forgot I counted, Miami, by the way. Yeah, Miami's I, I was going to say, I did yeah. a very quick run through the schedule, and I picked out seven games against what I would call teams that are... At this point, I think clearly better than Syracuse. Right? I mentioned like, six of like, them, so who's the seven? So, well, you got Notre Dame, you got at Virginia, you've got home against Virginia. Okay, so you counted Virginia twice. Okay. Louisville, Miami, North Carolina, Duke. So that's seven games. I, I mean, outside of that, like, are they, you know, is, is it fair to say St. Bonaventure is better? I don't know, right? Like, that, that feels like a toss up game. Is it fair to say that, you know, Wake Forest or NC State is better? I don't think so. So, 
Like I, I think that there are only seven games left on the schedule you, where you would say, okay, that's clearly better, and and those seven games are going to be the ones where we see the biggest issues def- uh, offensively, right? Those are the ones where we're going to see uh, what we saw Saturday, where you know the offense kind of sort of struggles, doesn't really get into a flow, you know, and and because of that, doesn't look good all night. I'll add another concern to the list. I think it's it's fair to say the depth is a little bit of a concern. Absolutely. Not when everyone's healthy, but obviously uh, injuries have, have taken a toll here and there. I mean, Tyus Battle was was banged up. Uh, we know that Barama Sidibe is, is banged up with a, a knee injury and an ankle injury and wasn't quite right against UConn, and so Pascal Chuko had to play a majority of the minutes, and then when he got in foul trouble, we saw Merrick Dolezal in, in the center. No Geno Thorpe, which means now Howard Washington is the only other scholarship guard on the roster. We saw him play, what, one minute uh, the other night? Right. And, and so, you know, I think we'll see him here and there as the, as the season progresses, but there is not a confidence uh, with, with him and the coaching staff at this point. So I, I think depth is, is something that you have to be concerned about to some degree uh, if you're an SU fan. When everyone's healthy and out of foul trouble, you're fine. If somebody gets in foul trouble or twists an ankle or, or whatever it may be or gets the flu, depth might be a little bit of an issue. Yeah, and that's what we saw on Tuesday night, isn't it? Where, you know, hey, Barama Sidibe's ankle is acting up. Okay, well, that that's fine, but Pascal Chukwu just fouled out. Yeah, it's fine until <laughs> right? he gets four like, fouls. And, yeah. Right, then so, what do you do? You know, okay, that's fine. You can deal with it. Your your backup center's ankle is flaring up. Oh, but our starter just fouled out. Now what? Uh, and, and you go to Mar- Marek Dolzhai. Is that all right in stretches? Absolutely. Do I want that for 25 minutes a game? No, like probably not, you know? And is, is Howard Washington all right and going to be able to hold his own for one for a couple minutes in that game against Kansas in the first half? Yes. Do I want Howard Washington to have to hold his own for 10, 15, 20 minutes? Probably not. Uh, you know, and and what happens if and when both guards get into foul trouble? I, I mean, what do you do? do well, you, you don't score, first of all. Right. <laughs> you, you, you give you the ball to score. O'Shea Brissett every time down the court. Right. You wouldn't score, but but on top of that, like, who do you play and where? You know, I, I just, I, I don't know, uh, you know, how that would even you work know what itself you do? out. You I, move I, O'Shea you know Brissett the answer, to the top line you know what and you the play three is? forwards. You know what the answer is? You you play with those guys in foul trouble. You have right. no other choice. You have no I, option. I mean, you if Tyus Battle picks up, you know, two fouls in the first half, more than likely, again, it depends on the opponent and the situation and what the score is, you're probably going to leave him in the game or take him out for a minute or two, give him a rest, say, listen, right. go back in, don't get another don't foul. Don't be stupid. Or, you know, if you it God forbid picks up three fouls, those guys probably have to stay in the game. Maybe you take them out for a few minutes, but my guess is, you know, what do you do if they get in foul trouble? If Tyus or Frank get in foul trouble, they're playing through it, I think. Yeah, no. The, the, I don't think you can afford to take him out for to, long and, stretches. And, and isn't that what they did in the second half against Kansas? Yeah, they said to Frank Howard, "Hey, you've got three fouls. Don't be stupid." That game right? changed and, quickly, though. And, and, and again, I'm not putting it on Howard Washington at all. But Devontae Graham, it was kind of coincidental. Howard leaves, Graham hits three, hit three threes. threes. But that thing went from a manageable six point game to, to 15, fifteen, very fast in, in the blink of an eye. Yeah. So I think you know, yes, in the second half they played with Howard in foul trouble, but. If they had done that in the saying. first half, maybe it wouldn't have gone from 6 to 15. Right, and that's what I was saying, in that you said, oh, well, you're just going to have to play them with foul trouble. Like, we, we've already seen that, you know, from this Syracuse team, where they said, you know what, 
Howard Washington is a good player. We think he might be good at some point, but not right now, right? Like he's not, not against quite, those opponents. He's not quite ready to go check Devontae Graham. He's right. not quite ready to go play at this level right now on December second. You know, will he be in a month or two months? Maybe, but not right now. And and that means that Frank Howard has to play through foul trouble. And you know, to to Frank Howard's credit, he picked up three fouls pretty quickly in the first half of that game. Did not get a foul in the second half, right? He finished with those three fouls. Like that's something that he's going to probably have to do over the course of this season. He and Tyus battle both. Jam packed show for you today. We've got Patrick Beeline, Lemoyne head coach, set to join us at twelve forty-five. Lazar Sims at one fifteen. Quick break. When we return, we'll get to our Vegas Insider, our normal Friday segment, moving it up a day early. No show tomorrow. Kevin Todd joins us on the other side. Keep it here. Orange Nation rolls out right after this on ESPN Radio. Hey, it's Seth Goldberg. Join me and Adrian Autry 7 o'clock on Mondays from Stratomia Restaurant. We'll give you an hour of SU basketball talk. That's 7 o'clock at Stratomia and live here on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Who's out? Who's out? Who's out? Who's out? Go to the end zone. It's oh, A diving reception with a touchdown. Urban Phillips with an all-world highlight check. 25-footer. Yeah! Off the glass and in! John Gillen is beaten too! It's a third win against the top ten! And the Orange had them all the way! They didn't look into your heart! They didn't look into your heart! They didn't look into my heart! Three for the win battle! Bang! Boom! It's the Orange do it again! The cardiac juice comes through on the road one more time! This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Hour number two of Orange Nation underway on ESPN Radio. Stephen Fonte, Seth Goldberg with you up until 2 o'clock. You just heard from Max Burgandy. We're going to keep Max in here to kick off hour number two with a, with a little this and that. Uh, something you had prepared for us for yesterday. We didn't get to it. We're going to get to it now, though. SU basketball-related questions, this or that. So fire away, Max. All right, so uh, the other night, Matt Moyer exploded for 18 points, 8 rebounds. Merrick Dolezal's hustle has been unmatched at times this season. Who's more deserving of minutes? Who's more deserving of minutes at this point going forward in your eyes? That's a good question. Uh, I think it's an easy answer. I'm going to go Dolezal because he's been consistent with what he's done. Moyer, it's been eh, not very good, blow up for a great game. I'll give uh, Dolezal the, the edge. The answer is simple. That Matthew Moyer deserves more time. If he doesn't play like that, Merrick right. Dolezal deserves more time. And he played 36 minutes. He scored 18 points. He was fantastic. And we're not going to see that Matthew Moyer every night. Um, but if we see some semblance of that, if you could split the difference between what we saw from the first seven games and what we saw in game number eight, and you can kind of average that out, that Matthew Moyer deserves more time. Absolutely. Uh, Merrick Dolezal still deserves to be out there. He does some great things. And they're things. both going to play. Did, he didn't take a single shot. Dolezal did not take a single shot. Made three free throws, but he just he does the little things. Big steal late in the game. Knock down those two big free throws late in the game. Gets on the floor. Hustles. Does the dirty work. Matthew Moyer does some of that dirty work as well. Um, so who deserves the minutes? If Matthew Moore is going to play like that, he will earn more time. If he doesn't, then you're going to continue to see a lot of Dolezal. Okay. Is that I, a cop-out yeah, no, answer? I mean, that is the answer. And look, let's be realistic. They're both going to play a lot. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think if Moore... the nature of the team. If Moore could just give you, like, 10 points and as many rebounds, I'll take that. Wouldn't you guys? I would take 8 and 8. Yeah. Forget 10. 
I mean, we said that the other day. Like, uh, you got to get something from him. You got to get more than two a game. You've got to get six or eight points a game from him on a, on a consistent basis. He needs to be engaged. And, and that yep. is where, you know, you bring up the comparison about Tyler Roberson. And I'm not saying, listen, he's eight games into his collegiate career. Tyler Roberson, this is something that plagued him for four years. Sometimes he would be invested, sometimes he he wasn't. And I'm not saying that that's the case with Matthew Moyer. But we saw when he is really invested, and and he even talks, and and frankly, Seth, I know know we have the soundbite where Matthew Moyer is talking about the fact that he believes it's the first time he scored in the first half all season long. This is Matthew Moyer after the game against UConn, talking about how you know one basket led to another and he started oozing with confidence, and before he knew it, he had 18 points the other you night. Know, coach always tells me to go to the glass every single play regardless, and if I do that, you know, I, I have a chance to you know get some putbacks. And, and I'm, honestly, for me, all I need is one bucket, and with that bucket, you know, after that bucket, it's, it's going to get me going. It's going to get me in the flow of the game. You know, when I get out there, you know, the first half goes. But I think this is the first game I had where I got a bucket in the first half. You know, so it feels like in the second half I'm playing catch up, you know, not playing as well, not locked in. But if I if I get it going early, it's going to be a problem for a lot of teams. So like most young players, if things don't go well early, he presses and he tries to, you know, play outside of of his game. We saw what happened against UConn when he got off to a fast start. He hit a couple of buckets. He had five points in the first, you know, five of the first seven points for SU. All of a sudden he's invested. He's emotional. He's into the game. And that was a problem for Tyler Roberson for his entire career. I think it's natural for a redshirt freshman to try to figure out his place. He saw the other night what his place can be. So, again, if you can give me that Matthew Moyer, and he doesn't even necessarily have to score a lot in my mind, but if he can be invested and engaged on the glass, I I think that that's going to make a a big difference for this team. Oh, absolutely. Uh, And I think that could be all the difference, uh, you know, that that this team needs. Yeah. Um, Moving on, though, I think Steve made a good point there, but... Moving on, uh, scoring is obviously important. You know, got to score points to win games. Uh, Tyus Battle not going to be able to do it alone. Who would you rather see the team utilize as second fiddle to him? Would you want Brissett to take over as Robin to his Batman or Frank Howard? You know, we talked about this a lot early in the year. Um, it seems like it's going to just kind of be both of them. Um, and, you know, I, I said earlier, I think it'll end up ultimately being Frank Howard, just because he's going to have the ball in his hands more. And, you know, if, if that's the case, okay. Like, I, I've got no issue with that. You know, as long as Frank Howard plays, you know, more like the first seven games of the year, not last night. Tyus Battle, using your analogy, is is the Batman. There's no doubt about it. My response to you, Max, would be, do you really need a Robin? Like I don't. It, it's almost better if you don't have a Robin. You want if you like have Justice a Batman, League. I was just gonna say that you t- literally took the words out of my mouth. It's it's you don't need just one quote unquote second fiddle. You can have that is your big three, right? Th- those are your three guys that are going to get the job done. And so I think you're better off if it's not. Well, is it you know Tyson Frank or is it Tyson O'Shea? Let's have it be Tyus, O'Shea, and Frank, and, right. and I think you're going to be better off. So I, if I'm Syracuse, I, I don't want to answer that question. I hope that there is no answer. I hope you don't find out that answer. If I'm an SU fan, I want it to be all three guys, not just two. Except I will say, if it's Justice League, uh, Tyus Battle would be Superman, Superman, not Batman. Correct. Right? Like Is Aquaman like, involved? I don't know. Is it Batman, Aquaman, Superman? I thought it's like Superman, Batman, like Wonder Woman, Green Lantern... No, I, Aquaman, I know, right? but I, well, yeah. That but was, who's third? 
That's, I don't what, know that's what I'm third. saying. Yes, I isn't know. it Wonder Woman? Yes, Wonder Woman's in there. Yeah, but, no, like isn't she third? Oh, I don't know. Like I don't know. I don't know either. I'm not comparing one of these see, guys to Wonder I don't, Woman. No, I don't know. I, Superman, see, Batman, Aquaman. Fine, that's what we're, see, going with. we're going with. I always thought Superman was first, and and look, I I haven't seen all these Superman mo- new Superman or Shocker. Batman movies. No, I've seen some of them. I saw Wonder Woman over the summer. I saw Batman vs. Superman over the summer. I just didn't see the original Superman I'm so that they did old, here. Seth. I go but, back to the Justice League cartoon. Okay? I've, seen, I've seen the Justice League okay. cartoon. But here's my point. There there are all these commercials out for Justice League, and Superman's not in them. And I know that, like, well, spoiler, can I, am, am go I ahead. Just, spoiler alert, Superman, quote unquote, dies at the end of the Batman vs. Superman movie. But, like, how do you play it off as if he's not going to be in Justice League. You can't have it without Superman, right? Or am I crazy? I just, I'm... I'm, You're I'm amazed, amazed that I'm talking movies well, here, I, right? I'm amazed that you, that you, of all people, said spoiler alert. <laughs> it, it, it like you've totally seen something going on. Movie. I have some inside <laughs> info about a movie. That yes, was amusing. We, we all know what else how Justice have? League ends. No, that, no, whatever. Okay. That was not a very good movie. Uh, if Frank Howard gets into foul trouble in an important game... Are you guys more comfortable with Howard Washington coming in to run the point, or is it time to consider letting Tyus run the point? It's not Tyus, in my opinion. You want to leave Tyus doing Tyus things. You 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 do not want to change his role. I said this to Seth earlier in the show. This is nothing against Howard Washington. I know the coaches are high on him. I've talked to Jerry about him. They think he's, you know, they compare him to Tyler Ennis and how smart he is, and, and he's going to turn into a good player in this program. I have no doubt about that. Um, right now, though, if, if this game you're talking about is tomorrow and Frank Howard gets into foul trouble against, you know, Georgetown on the road, I said this to Seth earlier, my preference would be for Frank Howard to play through the foul trouble. Yeah. Um, and, and I think Howard Washington can hold his own. And we saw him against Kansas. He held his own for a few minutes. But you are at your best when your best players are on the floor. And Frank Howard is one of your best players. And so if Frank Howard gets in foul trouble, you tell him just don't pick up another foul. Yeah, I was going to say it's, it's Howard Washington for now. Uh, I'm curious to see if... You know, if both Frank Howard and Tyus Battle get into foul trouble in a game, do they just say, hey, deal with it? Uh, what happens if one or both, you know, one fouls out and the other's in foul trouble? Do they do they slide O'Shea Brissett to the top of the zone? Like, can he, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if that's a fit. Like, I don't know if that works. Like, I'm, I'm just kind of spitballing here because you've only got eight guys. Like, you've only got one more guard behind Tyus Battle and Frank Howard, and you know there's going to be some sloppy game, and this would probably happen more so five years ago when you were still in the Big East, but like there's going to be some sloppy game where there are 30 fouls called, right? And, and all of a sudden, everybody's in foul trouble. And I, I will say this, Max, uh, I think it's situational as well. If if Syracuse is up by 10 and Frank Howard picks up his you know second or third foul, you know, and, and you can rest him a little bit and then you know try to steal a few minutes and that if the if the gap closes, you put them back in. I think it's situational. If you're down eight or ten, and it's midway through the second half, and Frank picks up his fourth foul, you, you really have no choice but to stay with him and just try to you know fight your way through it and tell him not to pick up that fifth foul. Be smart. We need you out there, kid. So um, I think it's situational, but that would be my answer right now. You stick with Frank Howard, and you hope he just doesn't pick up another another foul. All right. right. Let's uh, keep going with the foul trouble talk. If Chukwu continues to get in foul trouble the way he's doing. Uh, early on in this season, um, really struggling with setting solid screens and not getting called for them and just silly things under the basket. Uh, are you more comfortable with Dolajai replacing him in the middle of the zone or Sidibe in the middle of the zone replacing him? I think it's still Sidibe. Uh, you know, Dolajai in bits and pieces. 
Uh, he impressed the but, other night when yeah. he came in. I no, mean, I know, but I don't want him playing in the middle for 25 minutes. Yeah, I don't think that's the ideal situation. I think it was out of necessity because of the foul trouble with Chuku and because Sidibe was, was banged up and clearly not 100% bothered by a knee, bothered by an ankle, and they felt like, you know what, he's not moving great. Um, and so they went with Dolage. I, I, I don't think that's the ideal situation. Um, but he showed the other night that he can handle it if needed, if you get into a situation like that and one of your guys is banged up, the other's in foul trouble, or if they're both in foul trouble, you can get away with putting him in the center. And that was one of the questions Seth had before the yeah. season started. What do you do if your two centers aren't available? Now we know the answer to that. Right. And you know what? Uh, if he can give you a couple minutes there when you need it, great. Uh, but, you know, even going back to last year, the year before, you know, we talked about Tyler Lydon as kind of a, 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 a slender person in the middle of that zone. Uh, you know, Ty- Tyler Lydon looks big compared to Marek Dolshai, you know, and, and, and I think that that does play a factor in that position specifically because you're going to have big men, you know, bearing down on you. All right, Max, uh, why don't you take a timeout and we'll bring you back for today's business in about 20 minutes from now. When we return, though, Lazarus Sims will join us. He's helping to put together a, a big high school basketball tournament this weekend involving the city schools. We'll get his thoughts on the state of the SU program as well. Keep it here. Orange Nation rolls on with Z right after this on ESPN Radio. Every Monday, Syracuse assistant Adrian Autry talks X's and O's with Orange Nation. Brought to you by Farone and Son Funeral Home. On the pulse of the orange, ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1.